Have you ever just wanted someone to walk alongside you as you do the thing? The thing that makes your heart come alive and leaves our world just a little bit more like Jesus than we found it. I'm a girl wildly passionate about cheering on my friends in the pursuit of making God known through their unique calling. So buckle up because I'll gather up my favorite seasoned and rising leaders in their fields to share inspirational stories, strategic advice, and hard-won wisdom. I'm your host, Rebecca Dotson-George, and welcome to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. You're listening to another episode of the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. The music in the background is the song Yours by Katie Hurst. So if you have not listened to her music yet, definitely go check it out. And today's guest was so much fun. Her name is Teresa Swanstrom Anderson. She is the author of not one, not two, but three new Bible studies published by Tyndale that recently released. And today we unpack everything about the study that she wrote called Living for What Really Matters. And this was such a special conversation and I just love Teresa and I think you are going to as well. So let me introduce you to my new friend, Teresa. Okay. I am so excited, Teresa, to talk today about your new books, plural form, as we just (laughs) talked about before we hit record. You have three new Bible study books called Leading Wherever You Are, Saying Yes in the Darkness, and Living for What Really Matters that are releasing in mid-July, which is so fun. So by the time this recording airs, the books will be out into the world, which probably feels crazy to you. And so I'm so excited to, to talk today because my heart for the show really is equipping followers of Christ to boldly chase after making God known through their unique calling, whatever that looks like. And so I'm excited to focus today on living for what really matters, which is one of your new studies. So I'd love for you to start by just sharing your heart behind um, all, all three of these studies coming out, but then specifically living for what matters. Yeah, absolutely. So it is a little strange having three Bible studies all come out at once. That is not typical, but my publishing house really wanted to establish me as a Bible study brand rather than some one-off author. So they thought of this really fun, a little bit insane idea. And I am a huge, well, I guess self-proclaimed Bible nerd. So I really wanted to dive into the Bible deeply and not have these be just topical studies. So although, yes, there, you know, the Old Testament one is Joshua, and it is on leadership, no matter where, where you are in life and you're leading. You know, if you're a mom, you are a leader. You're leading your children. If you are a CEO, obviously you're a leader. But guess what? If you are even a Bible study um, leader, you are still leading and guiding these hearts and these women. So there are all sorts of different ways that we lead in life. Um, So we go through Joshua taking the reins from Moses and eventually bringing the Israelites into the promised land. So um, we go through the good, bad, the good decisions, the poor decisions, everything, and just really glean a lot for our, our lives today from Um, their experiences. And then Psalms is about the, it's about saying yes in the darkness. 
And there are certain Psalms that correspond to first and second Samuel stories. So rather than feeling like we're just coming in the middle of a conversation, you know, we've all walked up to those friends and you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I missed the beginning. Um, without digging into those first and second Samuel stories, we really don't know why David feels scared or like God has abandoned him or whatever it is he's feeling. So we really dig into um, what's going on in his life. And my own life really was going through a dark season when I wrote it. Um, One of our kids had uh, moved out when he was a junior in high school and we didn't know where he was. And then there was a death in the family. And um, then I was a character witness in a friend's murder trial. And it was just, there was a lot (laughs) that I was personally walking through and I had to say yes to, um, continually saying yes to God through it all. And then the one we're trying to talk about today is Philippians. And I think that a lot of times we call it the joy book. And I think that that is spot on, but that's not all that Paul talks about. He talks a lot about unity and diversity and community and living in authenticity. So those are really the aspects that I wanted to highlight when we, again, go through this book chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I love it. I am super excited to read through it as well. And so I'm curious, I feel like I saw that you had self-published something else. Have you, or you, it wasn't self-published. It was, yeah, it was uh, traditionally published, but two years ago I put out, or we put out a book called beautifully interrupted. So it was, I did see that. Yes. Yeah. So not a Bible study, although there were Bible study, um, elements like questions at the end of each chapter kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, I'm, I'm just so excited for you. This is such a huge project and just excited to see what God does with it. And, um, and yeah, excited to dig into living for what really matters. So I've heard you say, if we want to be bold women who love God deeply, we must be women of scripture. I'm passionate about helping women to be biblically literate, to change the world in the name of Jesus. So tell us a little bit about just where this fire inside of you came from in terms of helping equip women with scripture so that in turn they can go out and make disciples. Yeah, I think that as I became an adult and realized that I had a voice, because I have a very wonderful husband that just really lifts me up well. Um, you know, I had boyfriends in the past, you know, high school and college that were very emotionally and verbally abusive. So I, I felt like I was stifled and I felt like I did not have anything to share or a voice for anything. So once I went to Bible school in college, um, I took a year off and moved to England and went to a school called Cape and Ray. And I really felt like I was able to gain a lot of biblical truths and just build my foundation further. And then once I became a mom and, you know, with Ben continuing to lift me up as a person with a good opinion and a good brain, uh, I really um, realized that I wanted to be a woman who didn't just internalize things that I've learned because I was spoon fed. I wanted to learn myself and I knew that I had um, I had the ability 
to dig in deeply just from having a Bible on my desk and a phone with an app on it, you know? And um, I think it's so easy to spend so much time reading books about the Bible that we forget the necessity of actually digging into scripture. I didn't want someone else's opinion. I wanted Jesus's. I wanted God's. I want my heavenly father's opinion and, and their um, ultimate guidance in, you know, breaking scripture apart. So I downloaded a app called Blue Letter Bible, and it allowed me to dig in in the way that I was breaking apart Greek and Hebrew words and, you know, things that might make your eyes glaze over. I got really excited about. Yeah. So, yeah. So that led to a, me leading a Bible study at church and um, our pastor is one of my dearest friends. His name's in the roof Alphonse. And he and I were deciding what I was going to be teaching or leading that following, you know, study. And I had all my favorite authors out, you know, Beth Moore, Priscilla Shire, Jenny Allen, uh, Jen Wilkin, just this whole table full of really great biblical leaders and teachers. And I, we were just going through deciding which one we were going to um, get go into. And, and he was like, no, I want you to teach. And I was like, well, yeah, duh. I mean, what am I sitting here for? Yes, I know I'm leading this. And he was like, no, 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 I want you to teach it. And I was like, Naroop, yes, I know. That's why we are sitting here. Which one should we choose? And he looked me in the eye and he said, no, Teresa, you, you need to write it. You are ready. And I laughed in, in his face and I told him to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so if you tell your, your pastor to shut up, maybe something's wrong. But uh, I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, you're ready. You, you, you're passionate. You know what you, you know, you know how to do this. You just need to do it. So I wrote a study on first Samuel for our Bible study. It was a 17 week study, which went in really deeply. And, um, you know, my publishing house eventually heard about it and wanted to learn more. And so that's kind of where we went from there. That's so cool. I love it. Also love blue letter Bible. I use it all the time for listeners. I don't know if we've ever talked about this resource on the show yet, but if you do not have the blue letter Bible app, it is so helpful as you're reading scripture. Just if there's something that you don't understand or you want to know just the original context of a word or a phrase, it's so helpful and it's all right at your fingertips. So you can very quickly go down, you know, into a hole that you have to crawl back out of with it because it's just, it's so helpful and it's just kind of a bottomless pit of knowledge. And so I know my husband uses it a lot as well. My husband's a pastor and, um, yeah, I've found it so helpful as I'm studying. So it's a great tool. It is. Yeah. And I talk a lot about how to use that in these all three studies too. So, cool. you know, if any of you want to learn how without Googling it, <laughs> I walk you through it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love it. So this is off script, but as you were talking, I would love to hear more about just how might you encourage someone kind of back to your relationship with your husband versus the men that you maybe dated before you got married. Now that you're on the other side and you have somebody walking with you who spurs you on and, and lifts you up and is your cheerleader in ministry, how would you encourage a woman who maybe is back where you were in college 
and they're in one of those, those relationships that might be verbally abusive or emotionally abusive, how would you encourage somebody in that space now that you're on the other side? I think it's so easy to internalize every single negative thing. And I don't know how into the Enneagram you are, but I am a one, which means, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am a one and I just live steeped in shame Mm. because nothing's good enough. Nothing's perfect enough. Um, So little did I know that these dumb guys you know, saying these comments were just digging me deeper and deeper into something that I already was struggling with. So, I mean, I guess my advice would be in two parts, because if someone is dating someone versus married to someone, those are, I think, different conversations. Um, But if you are just dating someone, I would really step away. You've got a, there's a better guy. (laughs) There's a wonderful, wonderful man out there for you. And you are an incredible woman and you are someone of value. Someone is worthy of um, being lifted up. And we, in our family always talk about how words matter and we need to speak life into one another. Um, One of the studies I talk about, in fact, I think it's the Joshua, I'm sorry, the um, Philippian study that we're talking about today. Um, we talk about Donald Miller. Do you remember, do you know who Donald Miller is? He's written a bunch of books. Um, one of them is called scary close and it's a, he talks about a bunch of failed relationships and how he really just kind of got to the other side of it. And one of his best friends is Bob Goff. And so, um, it's, I share in, in the study, it's, I think day five of week one. And he talks about how he had another, you know, he broke up with his fiance and he is just devastated that it's just yet another broken relationship and he's not good at relationships at all. And, and um, Bob Goff calls him and says, Don, you're good at relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, Don's just there on the other end of the phone crying because he just feels inadequate. And he says, you know, those words are preposterous because I'm not, I'm not good at at relationships at all. And just over and over, Bob says, you're good at relationships. You've always been good at relationships. And I think it's so important to speak life into one another, even before that is true. Yeah. Um, So for any of you who aren't in a good relationship, um, or even are in a good relationship, whether it's with, you know, having kids or your husband or friends, like we have to be women who speak life into one another. And if you have friends or, you know, girlfriends even, um, who aren't people that are lifters, move on from them. Yeah. Because, yeah, you just don't need that. Yeah. There's a book you may have already read it. Have you read Gary Thomas's When to Walk Away that came out this year? No, but now I'm writing it down. Yeah, you need to. It's about toxic relationships. And I had him on the show back when it first came out, back when the podcast first started. And it is one of the best resources I've seen about toxic relationships. So listeners, if you have not already listened to that episode, definitely go back and give it a listen. But he just kind of walks through the gospels and how Jesus responds to um toxic things happening and how it helped him in his own life 
Um, and I think that's common in authors. You, you find books written about struggles that authors have went through, overcame, and then now they want to use, you know, how God's redeemed something to help other people. And, and that was the case with Gary. And um, anyway, it's a great resource. So, yeah. Oh, I'm totally adding it to my list. Yeah, it's a great one. One thing that stuck out to me as I was reading just some of the material that your publisher sent me was the word hustle and how, you know, that's kind of used in, in the description of, um, or not that you, I, I didn't, I didn't tee that up well, not that you're like pro hustle, but that like, we want to look at this from a biblical perspective. Right. And so I think we have turned a term in, in our society and our culture today um, into something that is, is maybe not super healthy. So I'd love for you to talk about what does Mm -hmm. hustle mean to you and where do you think maybe we've gone wrong in glorifying it in our culture? Yeah. I mean, granted the coronavirus has kind of slowed us down, but now that things are beginning to open up, I'm already feeling that hustle. Yeah. Um, be present again. And how often are we saying, you know, Hey, how are you doing? Busy. And I think that that is real. I mean, I have six children. Of course, life's busy. But I think that it's a dangerous place to live in because hustle and striving, yes, we need to um, live a life that is full for the glory of God. Yes, absolutely. But if we are striving and hustling, there is going to be burnout. But that being said, I mean, look at Paul's life. He definitely hustled, but the difference with him not having burnout is it was not pointless hustle. He was saying yes to God and his promptings over and over and over. And so I think that it's just pointless hustle that really that leads to that scarcity or that, that burning out or burning the candle at both ends or however you want to phrase it. Um, but if we, to get to that point though, I think that you have to sit back and be silent and spending time in prayer. And I don't think that being silent and being, how do I say this? I don't think that being silent and doing nothing are the same. Yeah. I think that so often we're praying and I, I always say this to my friends when we talk about prayer that I think a lot of times we are like, we're going into a doctor's office and, Oh, doctor, my head hurts. My back hurts. You know, my toe is broken, whatever you just yeah. whole laundry list of ailments. And then we finish our complaints about how we're feeling and we hop off the table, head out the door. I'm like, thanks doc. And we leave. And the doctor is like, uh, <laughs> you do know I can help you, right? You're not even waiting long enough for me to tell you what you need to do or not do or how to heal. Yeah. And I think that we often consider our prayer lives the same. We're so busy talking that we don't just rest and sit in, in it um, long enough to hear his quiet voice. So that hustle that we're talking about um, needs to be um, done in a way that we introduce silence into it. So you could still be on a run or walking your dog, 
while being silent or you can be doing the laundry you could be driving to work you don't have to be <clears throat> sitting in a chair next to your fireplace or, or you know kneel, knelt next to your bed but introducing that into our lives I think is where the biggest place for growth will be so that we don't have that burnout. Yeah. I love that. I was talking recently with somebody I had on the show. I don't remember which interview it was, but we were talking about busyness and how we glorify it in our society and, and just how I have been convicted of that over and over again. So I'm, I'm an Enneagram three, so I'm an achiever and you know, it's just a natural tendency when somebody asks you how you're doing to say, Oh, you know, I'm good. Just, just a busy season. And I caught myself once and I thought, man, that is probably the least important thing that I could tell somebody when they ask me how I'm doing, you know, and how dishonoring is that to the season that God has me in, you know? Um, and so, so yeah, I think that the lines between, you know, even, even going back to what you said about a lot of times we can read books about the Bible so often that we neglect reading God's word and just sitting with God's word. I think another thing that has become rampant in our culture is just the, the blurry line or the line that maybe for some people has become blurry between kind of that personal development space and like true biblical wisdom, you know? And so there are things like hustle or finding balance in your life or things that, that sound really, really good and really cool. But, you know, God talks a lot about self-discipline in the Bible, but self-discipline does not mean burning the candle at both ends and experiencing burnout and all of those things for the sake of our own glory. Like that's not it. Right. And we think about balance and we think about, you know, I don't know that I've ever had a season of my life where I could truly say, man, everything in my life, you know, was held in balance, but even in, you know, a busy season, I can still prioritize time with God. And so there's just become this blurry line in some of these areas that um, I love that you are kind of tackling that in kind of what scripture says about it. So I think that's so important. Yeah. So So you make the case that even our meaningful struggles can lead to growth and maybe even joy. So back to, that's one of the things we think of when we think of the book of Philippians. So how would you encourage the listener who is in a tough season right now, just to cling on to the promise that God uses all circumstances to help form us more and more into the likeness of Christ? Yeah. I think that there is often a misconception that, if we love Jesus enough, life will be simple. Mm. And that's just, you know, it's poor theology. It's just not true. I think about Jesus even. I mean, he loved God the Father more than we could even comprehend. And yet he dealt with all sorts of struggle. Yeah. Um, so I think that we need to... Um, Think about if you found something out that was devastating, maybe you have cancer, maybe your child has cancer, maybe you found out something horrible about your spouse, Um, maybe you lost your job, whatever it is, who are you going to go to first? Are you going to go to that friend who has just had a very happy-go-lucky life and everything's always seems to be 
coming together for her and just, you know, she has joy, but in a very simple way. Or are you going to go to that friend that has been through hell and back and has really been through some deep struggle and still has a smile on her face because she has just some sort of really deep-seated, textured, incredible joy. Like, to me, I would go to the woman, the latter, because she has seen some hard stuff and walked through hard things, and she still is saying yes to Jesus. What is it about that kind of person? What is it about continuing to step out and saying yes through hard things? How do we learn from it? Um, In my own life, I have so many examples. Um, And like I mentioned, you know, a lot of them are written in the Psalms study. But one of our kids we brought home from Ethiopia. And a couple of months later, they told our social worker, who was just, you know, doing a routine checkup to see how we were doing. Um, they told our social worker that I was abusing them and they thought, you know, in a child's head, they don't understand how things actually work. They thought if they made things hard enough for us, that we would put them back on a plane to Ethiopia because America in the movies is a lot different than America in real life. And they were tired and they were confused and they didn't speak the language and everything was different, you know, smells, foods, you know, suddenly they were in a family and they'd never had a family before. Um, And so there was a full-blown investigation of child abuse on me, you know, CPS dug in deep. They talked to my friends, they talked to our family members, they sat down and had numerous um, interviews with our kids and with my husband and they had no desire to talk to me at all. So even if I was in the room and I would say something, they would just actively <laughs> not listen to it. And it was very scary, as you can imagine, because they were threatening not just to take that one child away, but to take all our kids away. And um, every time I prayed about it in those couple weeks, I just felt like the Lord was whispering, I'm allowing you to go through this for a reason. Mm. And I realized as we came out of it, and thank you, Jesus, that the CPS ladies realized that it was all a lie and that we are very safe and, you know, we're a very safe, wonderful family. Um, But he, our child needed us to go through that because he needed us to see that we were genuine in saying that we loved him. Yeah. And everyone else in his life had abandoned him when things got hard. So he thought that we would do the same, that we would just hand him back. Um, But it helped me too, because it helped me realize, okay, God, if this truly happens, does that mean I trust you less? Does it mean I love you less? Yeah. Um, You know, I think that when we realize what takes our joy, we're able to see how deep our trust is of God. You know, where is our relationship with him? Is it just when things are good? Because if that's true, we need some work to, we have some work to do. Um, so time and time again, just knowing that there is something to be learned, whether it's you're learning perseverance, you're learning patience, you're learning how to 
genuinely love without all these qualifications, like just simply love, whatever it is, there is a, there's something to learn through it. Um, so figuring out what that is makes it maybe not, not any easier, but at least it makes it worthwhile. Oh yeah, absolutely. And there's a story or a verse that I always share when I'm sharing part of my story. So my mom is a cancer survivor and that was probably one of the first seasons of my life after college. And I was entering into adult life that, um, my faith was really put to the test. I had not really experienced a great deal of pain as a child or, or death or, you know, tough seasons. I had a, I had a great upbringing and I was grew up in the church, you know, all the things. And so then I get out of school and our family is hit with this. And there's a verse that, um, my mom just really claimed during her journey and it was Romans eight eighteen, which says, for I consider that the present sufferings of this life aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. And mm. I think that's such a promise just pointing back to everything that, that you're saying. So I love that. Yeah. Well, there's a quote um, by a woman named Elizabeth Kubler Ross. Let me read it because I just think it's really appropriate here. The most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known mm -hmm. suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These persons have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep loving concern. Beautiful people do not just happen. Oh, wow. My That's good. awesome. I love that. <laughs> So what verses would you share with a listener just to kind of help them stay focused on living for what matters? My favorite verse is found in Acts 4, Acts 4, 13. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Mm. Um, and that is everything to me because... I don't have a bunch of letters after my name. You know, I, yeah, I've just in, applied for a seminary for this fall, but I'm just a regular mom. You know, I have just fallen in love with scripture. Yeah. It's the only, the only difference. We are all qualified if we've been with Jesus. We, you know, most of us are uneducated. We haven't gone to school to be a pastor uh, we are untrained except for just the training of life or, you know, the scripture that we've read and dug into, or, you know, in essence, we are just like Peter and John. Yeah. And I just think it's beautiful to know that back in their day, it was only the people with the lifetime of education that were able to have a voice. Mm. And once Jesus came, and especially once Pentecost came, it gave all of us a voice because we all have the Holy Spirit living in us. So we are able to tap into things that, you know, in Bible times, they just could only, you know, dream of. Yeah. So um, I think that life is busy. Sure. But it shouldn't be so busy that you can't take time in the word. Yeah. Um, I 
see, it's almost been a decade now. We had just recently brought home Imani, who now is almost 10. And so at the time we had uh, two biological, we call them our blondies. So they were three and four and then five month old Imani and then seven year old Ezekiel. And Ezekiel didn't speak any English at the time. And my husband's job began to change and suddenly he was traveling a ton and had to be in the office more. And it was just, I consider it the most exhausting time of my life. I mean, I was literally falling asleep at stop signs, not stop lights, stop signs. That's how tired I was. And I just fell to the kitchen floor one morning and was just sobbing. I was like, God, you've got to give me more strength than this. I, I can't do this. I, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And, um, as I'm crying, holding Imani to my chest and, you know, the other little kids are kind of climbing all over me and Ezekiel's looking at me like this white lady has lost it. And, you know, he didn't speak enough English to know for me to explain really what was going on. And I just heard God whisper the word first fruits over me. And I knew what first fruits were, you know, I, I know that they are talked about especially in the old testament and often in regards to crops or a perfect lamb and you give god the best of the best back first in just thankfulness to him so i didn't know what that had to do with me and so i was kind of you know praying back god i don't know why you're giving me this word first fruits and i realized that i wasn't giving him the first fruits of anything in my life anymore you know, I was going to Bible study, sure, but I was going for the free childcare and coffee. <laughs> I was, I was in leadership at my mops group and I was going for the same thing. I was just in complete survival mode. Yeah. And, um, I had accidentally left him behind and, you know, if I prayed or did my Bible study or if I did anything in relation to him, it was sporadic and hurried. Yeah. So as I'm sitting there on the, you know, cold tile floor, um, and saying, I, I don't know how to give you any first fruits of anything. And I don't have a crop. I don't have a lamb. What do you, what do you want? And he said, well, you can give me the, the first fruits of your time. Mm. And then again, I shot back saying, I can't get up any earlier. Yeah. I, you know, Imani is not sleeping through the night. I'm definitely not. There's just so much chaos. I, I don't know how you would expect me to do that. And he said, you know, I that's not the only kind of first fruits. You could give me the first fruits of your nap time. Mm. And again, I fought him and I said, but that's when I get all my things done. That's when I throw in the laundry or do the, you know, dishes or clean up the toys or have one second to sit down and scroll through my phone or whatever it is. Yeah. And um, I just felt so strongly that no was not an option here. I was either going to go with him or I wasn't going to go with him. And that was really a turning point for me to decide, okay, God, you're right. And so that very next day I started it. And you know, what's amazing with God is he created time so he can do what he wants with it because I spent some really good time with him and I still got all my stuff done. Yeah. So he, he really, um, he loved me back to life. I was, no longer treading water and going down, I was feeling like, okay, I, I can do this. I, I have some margin. Um, I was more patient, more kind. 
more yeah. loving to my kids. You know, it's not like I walked around with a halo over my head at all moments. Of the right. Day. But somehow things were now manageable. And so I continued that on for years and years until we brought home our fifth and sixth kids. Um, we keep kind of bookending our children. So when fifth and sixth kid came home, it was a baby girl and a teenage boy. And then God said, hey, I want you to stop with the nap time and I want you to wake up early. And again, I'm like, um, <laughs> what? Yeah. I have an infant again. How do you expect me to get up early? But it, he made it very clear that I needed to say yes. And yeah. so I did. And so that getting up a couple hours before the every morning has been well, also about seven now, so about seven years. And um, everything's different. My passion for scripture is different. My prayer life is different. The way I treat my family is different. They can tell if I've slept in <laughs> yeah. by the way that I'm treating them. And But I'm not a morning person. So I think that a lot of times when I share the story, people are like, oh my gosh, well, you have no idea. But guess what? I, I struggle each and every morning for the past seven years, every yeah. single morning, I have to say yes. And I have to consciously say to myself, okay, which relationship am I wanting to deepen my relationship, which was more important, the relationship with my pillow or my relationship with my God. Yeah. And so I make my coffee and I get on up. That's awesome. Yeah. I found, find the same thing in my own life. I just, I love starting my days with my quiet time. So I, I typically will go run or work out early, early, early. And then when I get back and I get settled in at my desk with breakfast and yeah. that's my time with the Lord. And, and I so agree. And I always encourage people, if there's any way that you can make that work um, for you early in the morning, that really is the best way to start your day. So I love that that's the case for you too. It sets the tone. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so before we sign off today, I want to ask you one question that I ask every guest. It's my favorite question. And that is, what is the best piece of advice that you think you've ever been given? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think a big part of it is that quote that I read. Just yeah. knowing that beauty is not superficial. God made beauty and he knows that there's a richness in it. So um, there is a depth of joy that we will not experience if we don't go through some hard stuff. But where, what are you getting, what are you going to consider of God as you do go through it? Um, it doesn't make him any less good. Yeah. It doesn't make him any less holy or any more, any less kind. He still cares about us. And yeah. um, we just need to figure out what are we supposed to learn through it? How can we use that pain to turn around and be used for his glory? Yeah. Um, I think I would argue too that it's in those times that those characteristics, like you said, of, his holiness or his um, omnipresence or his omnipotence, those things, you see them on display in your life so vividly in a time of suffering, you know, where in a time where life is just normal or good, uh, we might not be as keenly aware. And so even in my own life, 
I can look back and, and see where I've been grateful for those things because of what it's taught me and proved to be true about God's character. And so I love that. Yeah. Being willing to live outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Teresa, we'll tell listeners where they can find you, where they can order the books because they're already out by the time yeah. they're airing. So tell yeah, them. well, it's funny because my name is kind of long. <laughs> <laughs> so my name is Teresa Swanstrom Anderson. So Teresa Swanstrom Anderson.com. But you can also go to get wisdom Bible studies and you'll go straight to my website. Um, but yeah, I'm, I love Instagram. So come find me over there. Um, I am figuring out Twitter. <laughs> so, um, have grace with me if you look at me over there. Um, but I would love to, um, yeah, just love to continue on in community with any of you that reach out and want to do the studies. And I am just really excited to see what God does with them. Awesome. Well, I am too. And this has been so much fun. Thank you for being my guest today. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you need anything from me at all, I'm super easy to find Rebecca Dotson George on Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And hey, let's help make it possible for even more listeners to be encouraged by hearing stories of my people doing the thing. There's a couple ways you can do that. One, by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And two, screenshot the show and share it on your Instagram stories. Oh, and make sure you tag me there so we can connect as well. All right. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. And thanks so much for listening to the Do The Thing Movement podcast.